and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday morning. Joining us from Philadelphia, where he was at the Nets 76ers game on Wednesday night and is flying later today to Boston to go to Celtics uh, Knicks uh, on Thursday night is Tim Bonteps. Hello, guys. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Be making my maiden voyage to Salt Lake City tonight. See those little scrappy jazzies this weekend. Well, the jazzies, as you call them, uh, gave up 60 last night to Damian Lillard in Portland. Huh. And and uh, not for the first time that they've given up at least six or at least 50 to him. But it, those things happen sometimes. Well, the Jazz are very comfortably because nobody's given them any flack about it very comfortably now down in 10th and headed the other headed the direction they wanted to head. And I think when we get to the end, they'll be right where they need to be. So that's my prediction. Um, mm. So the Indiana Pacers, a, by the way. That's true. Although the Pacers mm. did get a win a couple days ago against the Bulls to break their losing streak. Um, well, they, they have a worse record now than Utah, even with that. And with Tyrese Halliburton out, they are trending very sharply in the downward direction. Uh, we're going to talk about the weeks. Pacers. We're actually going to talk about the Pacers in a few minutes. Um, we are? Okay, we are. Hmm. In relation to what their current position may be uh, doing to their intentions at the deadline. Um, so, uh, Bon Temps, this game you were at, um, no Kevin Durant, but still a very spirited game, a very trash talk filled game that spilled over into the post game with Durant and Embiid, uh, tweeting at each other, um, total wrestling type affair complete with, um, Embiid doing the triple H chop. I don't know. I'm not a wrestling guy. I don't know what that, uh, what's that thing where you, do the cross and hit your crotch. What's that called? It's from, it's from it's the Degeneration X uh, suck it sign, I believe. Is oh, whoa, call. hey, Ooh, it's a Disney <laughs> podcast, sir. I'm just there saying some, what it's called. What there is saying what it's called? What Degeneration X? What is it was that? The tag team with uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, which okay, Abid has talked many times about being his favorite wrestling. Yeah, well, he thing. is from he operates a bit from the wrestling uh, field. So, um, but what was it? Not just play? not just a crotch chop, but it's like a hip thrust into the crotch chop. I mean, it was there was a lot going on there. Well, the the thing was, and maybe he's posted this before, but you know, like ten minutes after the game. <laughs> oh, it was a lot more than ten minutes after the game because I there was a phalanx of people helping him construct the. Uh, the post right. put up after Kevin tweeted but, uh, at him. But I'm saying is like I gotta he look had up that this... word. <laughs> he had this an army, like, army McMahon. He had this um uh video ready. Like I don't know if he's used that video before, but does he just have this video edit of no. him? Like I said, it wasn't ten ready. minutes after the game because we, we had to wait a good while to talk to him because there was some right. preparations being done. I think. See, I, I see. always thought phalanx was a, a body part, which it actually is as well. I did not, I was not aware of the uh, military the reference. Yes, there you go. No, yeah, I, I could have gone to, I could have gone to military school, but I chose, I chose the uh, the other route. I got shipped <laughs> off to Maine instead of Kansas. Those are my options. Though. Did they really give you a choice? Um, yeah, pops gave me a choice. It was, it was military school in Kansas or a <clears throat> character development school in Maine. And obviously I, I developed some character. Real, real, real to character development for sure. Uh, Bon Temps is annoyed this morning. I'm not sure. I, I know he's annoyed at me, but I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. Oh, he's, I'm not, he's grumpy. I'm not, you, you, I'm not, no, no, I'm no. not annoyed. I'm not annoyed at all. Yes, you I had a, no, listen, you heard the little whining. A, you heard the one. He took a long time to come to the press interview room. We were just waiting there. Well, no, listen, <laughs> I had, I had a lovely chat with the big fellow last night per usual. He was in a great mood and I had a, uh, I had a great time. Last night's game was fantastic. I mean, the best part about this game was afterward. Yeah, James Harden and Joel Embiid try to claim it's just a regular game. The day oh, before, oh. you had Kevin Durant say there's no such thing as rivalries in the NBA. Meanwhile, Kevin is tweeting during the game about how he misses trash talking Joel. He's then saying his celebration was trash on Twitter, which led to Joel then doing all this 
nonsense with the video after the game. There were like six technicals called on individual players during the game and or individuals, including Jack Vaughn, who got one like two minutes into the game. 90, 60 seconds into the game, Embiid is trying to put Ben Simmons into the stanchion. He's claiming that there was no no intent with that, which is nonsense. <laughs> um, it, but it was awesome. Like It was just it was an awesome. The crowd was jacked up for the game. The players were jacked up for the game. It felt like a game that was in mid-May. It did not feel like a game that was in mid-January. Um, you know, there's some tactical stuff I think we can get into from the game too, but the biggest thing I took away from it was it was it was fun to be at a game where there was real energy and emotion mm-hmm. on both sides and everybody really wanted to win the game. And I sure as hell hope this is a seven-game series this spring because it would be awesome. It would Crowd be so great. The crowd was all over Simmons, but I don't know if I want to say that it was good natured, but it was, it was just, um, there was nothing was, bad at all. No, right. well, there, it, no, there was no batteries got hurled. So that was, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that qualifies as good. It was nowhere even as it was nowhere near as much as the game last year in March, the first, even when he didn't play the first game back it, I mean, it was just a normal back and forth. I mean, what, what got the crowd amped up was Embiid going at Simmons in the post, which is what everybody had been waiting to see. And, you know, even though Embiid didn't score on any of them, it wasn't uh, nobody was too interested in the outcome. Well, it, was it wasn't the greatest uh, game for game for Embiid. You know, he he missed 12 shots in this game. But here's what I find amazing. Um, he missed 12 shots, which happens not the end of the world. The Nets as a team, I believe missed sorry as a team i believe the nets missed a total of 27 shots they shot 65 percent in this game talk about four from three it was a defense (laughs) optional game for large talk about a, a a perfect example of the modern nba they shoot 65 percent on the road which is like weighted like 70% 70% basically and they lose <laughs> they, 65% for the game and they lose and then Philly goes 35 of 36 at the line mm-hmm. and Bede went 13 of 13 which is how he was able to get his points up despite uh, only going 6 of 18 from the field mm-hmm. very um, that doesn't feel like a May game somebody shooting 65% but yeah, it definitely the- made it for interesting to watch yeah, the defense wasn't defense wasn't great um, on either side, you know, and I, I thought obviously with Kevin Durant not playing, certainly a huge piece missing in the game. But I, uh, to me, if you if these teams match up in the spring, I do think Philly would be favored for me to win. And I think you saw in this game why that would be the case. Like I know Embiid didn't have a great shooting game, but. They had no answer for him inside. He got four. He they were they were had to foul left and right all game because they didn't have the size to really go up against Philly in the paint. Oh, here he goes, I mean. bad mouthing Claxton again, like he has been all season. I have long. not been bad mouthing Nick Claxton. He played great last night, but he also Nick was not all defensive candidate. And Bonkin Nick Claxton. Well, Nick, was Nick Claxton one on one guarding Joel Embiid most of the game? No, he, uh, he helping... did get he did get bumped from basically one block to the other late yes. in the game when, he, when he, the big fella yeah. faced I up mean, and decided to go to the hoop. The the smart thing they did was they whether it was Simi, they basically anybody else bodying up Embiid, and then they would have Claxton come over and help, which was pretty effective. And Claxton played really well last night. Thing that was really interesting about Claxton is the key question with the Nets going forward. I think is assuming everybody's healthy, what are they going to do down the stretches of games with Ben Simmons? I think what you saw last night is what's going to happen, which is Ben Simmons is not going to play. He left the game with nine minutes to go. They were down 14. Nets won a huge run, came back into the game, made it close down the stretch. I mean, you know, Simmons was more aggressive in the third quarter. He scored, I think, all 12 of his points or 10 of his 12 points in the third quarter. He didn't score in the first half. At this point, I'm not sure Ben Simmons is better than Bruce Brown. And I, I don't mm. think that I don't think that he is a guy that with his lack of shooting and his lack of complete aggressiveness, really, at basically all times on offense, you can't have him and Nick Claxton out there down the stretch of games um, with zero shooting and, and two guys that can't hit a foul shot most of the time 
playing together. And, and as McMahon said, if you look at the, over the course of the season, you go back to October it was all right. The nets are going to have Ben Simmons out there playing center and they'll have shooting around him, and he can orchestrate mm-hmm. the offense. Nick Claxton probably won't play. Nick Claxton has been really good. He's going to have to play. I think you're going to see a lot of nights like what you saw last night, where when you get down to clutch time, Ben's going to be watching, you know, Nick Claxton surrounded by shooting. Well, and Claxton, Claxton is a by the way, impactful defender. Way more, way more. Which is which is surprising. I didn't expect that. By the way, he made a he was eleven of twelve at the line last or uh, over from the field last night. Yeah, pushing him to seventy four percent for the season. Seventy four percent. I know he's not shooting Durant volume, but <laughs> I mean hey, that's that's good, good in any man. league. That's right. 74 percent uh, from the floor and forty six percent from the line. I know. <laughs> yeah, the free throw thing, like the free throw the free throw with him thing the free throw thing with him is going to be a problem. Tough. But yeah, he is in a, a playoff setting, they're going to hack him and they're going to hack Simmons, and it's going to be yeah. difficult for Jock Vaughn to figure out lineups um, defensively that are going to work. I mean, that's pretty clear. The other thing is they've lost five out of seven since Durant uh, went down. Um, the one the games that they won took Kyrie playing other you know full power Kyrie Mm -hmm. Um, so they're going to still take some I know they're not I don't think they're really in danger of falling out of the top six but if Duran is out you know they are in danger of losing uh, position well listen here's the difference they had a chance to be in the top two which meant they were in the top two well no but I'm saying right but I'm saying they had a chance to stay in the top two and then you're not playing a Milwaukee or a Cleveland or a um, Philadelphia in the first round. You're playing somebody like the Knicks or the Hawks or the Bulls or whatever. Pick pick your lower level Eastern Conference team that they're probably going to beat. And, you know, it's one easier round in the playoffs. Instead, now, if you got to play, say, Milwaukee, Philly and Boston to get out of the East, that's that's a heck of a lot harder road. That's where I think these games really matter. I don't think they're falling lower than fifth unless Durant ends up missing a ton of time. But well, you went to uh, Durant's press conference in Brooklyn. Uh, was it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday um, afternoon. And it sounds like he, they didn't articulate this, but it sounds like he's not coming back till after the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, you know, he got asked directly if he wants to play in the All-Star game, if he'd rather wait till after the break. Naturally, he said he wants to play tomorrow, but he said, look, I'm going to do what the doctors say is the right thing to do. I mean, he's going to get reevaluated like a week before the all-star game. I guess he can maybe come back for a couple of those games. I think logically it makes sense to have him just sit for another month and just have him come back ready for the stretch run. He played, he was already probably playing too many minutes and he'd only missed one game before the break. So that's probably what I would do, but you know, we'll see what happens. So maybe might depend on if they lose another five games in a row and they're, really scuffling. Maybe he'll try to come back for the last. Couple. Yeah, I'm just I, I think it's the right decision. I'm just talking about where they are. You know, what will it cost them in their stand in the stand? For sure. For sure. Uh, also, yesterday, um, uh, Chris Haynes from the Bleacher Report had an interview or a brief interview um, with Kyrie Irving's agent, who is also his stepmother. And I want to exactly um, quote Shatelia uh, Irving. Um, exactly what Chris quoted her saying. And she said, I have reached out to the Nets regarding a contract extension. We have no significant conversations to date. The desire is to make Brooklyn home with the right type of extension, which means the ball is in the Nets court to communicate how they're now, if their desire is the same. Mm. It's been a while <sighs> since we've had some, uh, some drama. So Kyrie has been on his best behavior ever since, late. Re- <laughs> ever since returning from, the what do you want to call that the was the suspension yeah i mean it did get and, suspended yeah um and now the team is actually struggling and i don't know about the timing of this we all knew that this was going to be there you know the one thing that i immediately started thinking about oh she she said something else i wanted to further go further on that quote she said that or no actually she didn't say it but uh chris implied that uh there would be a number of teams interested in him if he became an unrestricted free agent this summer. And that's where this conversation, mm-hmm. I think, has a diversion. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many teams would be interested in him this summer. Mm-hmm. He did, would did definitely the Lakers just do something to chew up some cap space, probably. Well, we're going to talk about that. 
But I don't, my advice to Kyrie Irving, he has 0% interest in my advice. That's been established for a decade is I would not make the contract and issue one iota during this season. And I would not, and I would not expect the nets under just about any circumstances to give him an extension during the season, even if it is a short extension, which I'm sure he doesn't want. I'm sure he wants a long extension because that was the issue last summer was there was some contract talks. The Nets made an offer. I don't know what that offer was, but the offer was not to Kyrie's liking to the point where he asked for permission to go find a trade, which he was unable to do. But I would just say to him that it is advisable to continue to perform on the court and not cause off the court distractions, which this potentially could be. Um, and I also don't think that there are going to be a ton of suitors who have cap space. You can, and I mean, this happens routinely in the NBA. A team raises his hand, oh yeah, we'll pay, and you don't have cap space. Well, if you don't have cap space, it doesn't really matter because the Nets don't have to cooperate. I mean, well, ultimately, unless you're unless you're Leon Rose and can dump a couple guys on Detroit and sign Jalen Brunson without giving up anything with second rounders. Well, <laughs> I will say that part of the Mavericks. Miscalculation with Jalen Brunson was believing that the Nets or that the Knicks couldn't clear the cap space mm-hmm. without, without help from help. them. Yes. And they did. And that was a miscalculation. And um, well, the Knicks, the, the, the Mavericks were like, yeah, we'll trade you Jalen Brunson and we're going to ask for a certain price. And the Knicks said mm-hmm. no. And the price that they paid for, you know, allegedly tampering, which I think is laughable, um, was a second round pick. So <laughs> Another second rounder. Oh, shucks. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Um, I the way, the Mavs gonna... have that, uh, the Mavs have that non tax or the taxpayer rather, uh, taxpayer mid-level <laughs> burning a hole in their pocket. I do think I I'll say this, I've got my concerns about signing Kyrie, but I think it would be a better taxpayer mid-level addition than JaVel McGee has been. <laughs> yeah. Well, then DNC, <laughs> then DMPCD JaVel McGee with, did you see the, <laughs> the video that circulated of Luca's face with JaVel hyping the team? Uh, yes, I like sent a- it to you. <laughs> I was going to oh. say, McMahon sent it to us, pal. That's I, right. I saw it. I got a good laugh about it. That's for sure. Well, look it up. <laughs> um, I don't think that uh, – I, I think obviously Kyrie would find a home next year. I just don't think that it would be simple. And so I uh, I found that story interesting. And uh, well, Kyrie, simple and, and, and max is the, is the other question. And honestly, a lot of that might depend on, hey, does Philly make a deep run? And does Harden look at this and be like, why would I consider leaving a legitimate contender to go back to Houston? If he does, I mean, I'm telling you, Houston's going to try to make a big splash this summer. Tillman Fertitta did not sign up for a fourth year of seller dwelling. Well, I'm not, saying, I'm not telling you what's a good idea on, and what's not. I'm just telling you what is. It also depends on where Houston is in the draft order. If Houston can draft Scoot Henderson, are yeah. they signing James Harden or Kyrie Irving? Mm, that's a that good matter? question. That's a good question. Um, you know, uh, if they could draft Victor Wembanyama, you know, that's a another conversation. But hey, Victor, come on over to the NBA. By the way, here's Kyrie for you to team up with. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the NBA. Yeah. Well, we'll see. That is going to be an interesting one. Um, but speaking of the transactions, uh, I talked a little bit with Mark Spears uh, on the last pod about the Lakers. We only got into it briefly. Bob Temps, what did you make of Rob Palinka's comments bef- after the trade where he he reaffirmed that they're only going to move those, those future picks for a star player, but did openly say that they, he, didn't, he didn't think that they were done and that they still wanted to make maneuvers with this team because – the people have been so focused on the Lakers doing something right now in the, you know, in the next six seconds to, to, to turn them into a guaranteed championship contender that they haven't thought about and what I've been talking about for months now, which is there's this summer, the decision on Hachimura affects the summer and what Rob Palinka was implying potentially affects the summer to me. That is as much interesting of this trade, other than the fact of the Lakers adding a rotation player, you know, a, you know, a non-difference-making rotation player in the first trade of trades. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a lot of discussion 
you know, understandably, because there was there have been many trades, right, about the what Rui Hachimura means to the Lakers rotation. Like, oh, you know, he's going to do this or that. He could be a wing defender, blah, blah, blah. To me, like you said, the far more interesting dynamic is what McMahon referenced earlier, which is by making this trade and signaling that they're going to extend Rui, which when you trade for a guy in the final year of his rookie deal off a first round pick contract, he's going to be an RFA. You're going to plan on extending him, especially Mm -hmm. if you trade a decent second round pick for him. That means the Lakers eat into their cap space this summer. And they really don't have a way with AD and LeBron making a ton of money if they start to eat into that cap space to have the ability to go after a Kyrie Irving or some other big name player um, if they're going to be a free agent. And their whole team around those guys are unrestricted free agents, so they don't even really have the money to send out in some kind of a, a trade to bring in players if they want to, you know, Resign Rui Hachimura and then use other guys and sign a trade or something. It just it's it's going to be very difficult for them to try to do something like that. So to me, the thing that was significant about this trade is that I would now expect between now and the trade deadline deadline for the Lakers to take on a pretty significant amount of money or guys or significant con- guys that they can resign the contracts this summer now because it would seem that to your point. The path to adding to the team in July has shrunk quite a bit with this move. So if you're not going to do it in July, you might as well do it now. You're you're speaking as if there's a a a, a, a well formed plan. <laughs> well, that's and, fair. That's and, a that's a fair know, criticism. It is the Lakers. I just I would mean, say I, to me, it's like the Lakers have won six or seven out of ten. They've got AD back. It's like hey. The West, we're two games out of fifth in the West. We're going to make a run. That's what the plan seems like to me, looking at it. I don't know if I agree with that plan, but that's what it seems like. I I actually like this move, and I like this approach much better than, hey, let's go get another Mac star and have, you know, nothing but firewood around them, basically. Um. To me, this is the exact kind of move the Lakers needed to be making. They didn't give up the guy who's contributing now. Now, you know, we can talk about the value of second-round picks. It's whatever. They went out. They got a guy who they plug into the rotation, is going to play 25, 30 minutes per night, has some upside. Um, You know, they think he has some untapped potential. You know, they very well could be right there. And then is going to be part of this thing, you know, could be part of this thing for four or five years or, or, or beyond. It's not just some kind of desperation. Let's chase a play in spot right now move. And they didn't give up their two big bullets. So I like this move. And then if they are, you know, if they're operating, going in the trade, deadline, like they're not going to get another major star, right? There's not going to be well, a reason. Probably not. I mean, there's not, that's, not, pro- that's not the way the Lakers think. The Lakers think that there's always a guy who wants to be a Laker who can give his okay. way to LA. But they're probably not going to have good enough reason to give up 27 or 29, those those picks. And so then you go and, you know, Pat Beverly's a, an expiring contract. And, you know, if there's, if there's a quality rotation player you can get for him, uh, then you take back the money. You know, maybe there is some kind of thing where a team's looking to get off a contract for a guy who can contribute to the Lakers. So I, I actually like the Rui deal for them. I think the yeah, Rui deal's whatever. I, I mean, it, I don't think it's terrible by any means. I, it's fine. I just think to me, it it's more about what it signals going forward. And like Brian mentioned it earlier, with Indiana falling off a cliff. Yeah, let's talk about with that. Tyrese Halliburton going to be out seemingly for a while that opens up a question do the Pacers who two weeks ago I mean I was at MSG when Tyrese got hurt they were in the top six in the east I'm sure they were not going to blow up that team that would be the opposite of what Herb Simon has always wanted to do the owner of the team um, and they've got him and Ben Matherin playing great young backcourt of the future um, but now they're already down to 10th they're probably going to keep going down the standings do they decide to trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner? And that brings us back to the trade that's been talked about for six months. You know, does something happen there? Right. Well, that's that's Westbrook. And 
you know, Indiana, Indiana is going to want first round pick compensation for that type of trade. Mm-hmm. And in that type of move, you're committing yourself. They, you know, they've, they've negotiated with miles Turner about an extension. Haven't come to terms on it yet. doesn't mean that they won't, but they haven't. And, um, they are cap space team this summer. Not that I think Indiana is a, um, is a, uh, you know, I don't think they should be operating in, in free agency. They tried to do it with DeAndre Ayton and it are you didn't work it's out. That's not, not an attractive market. Is that what you're saying? DeAndre Ayton signed a, uh, offer, offer sheet, but I think, um, I don't think it's a good, I don't think, uh, saving cap space is a functional way for them. I think there's, other ways to, to use their uh, resources. Um, but that, you know, Buddy Heald is a, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And, uh, but his contract is, uh, has got a couple of years on it. So in that, in that trade, that would, you know, if you traded Westbrook for those types of guys, it would get the Pacers cap space, which they do not need. So, um, well, the You're Pacers gonna are going to have cap. I mean, the Pacers currently have 30 million caps or whatever. Exactly. They have they, cap they space now. So I, so that's saying, not they a, don't they don't need yeah. 30 million to start with. That doesn't really help them. They right. sure as heck don't need more. So the only way they're doing this deal is for significant draft compensation. Um, and I'm not sure if there's any players on the Lakers roster that they could include that would materially change that. They may ask for Austin Reeves or something like that. Max Christie. But that's not changing their ask. So, you know, Palenka is on the record again saying that he they would look at trading those picks if they can move them to a championship. And I'm telling you that is where they are right now, assuming AD is able to stay healthy. If they got Buddy Heald and Miles Turner on this roster for Russell Westbrook, they would be a playoff team. And they would be a tough out. I do not think they would rise to level of championship team. Do you think that's, do you think that's, uh, I mean, the West, the West stinks. So saying they're a playoff team, I would, I think that's certainly fair. If they make that trade, it's not like, a playoff team now. I mean, to be honest, but, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, right now there's what four teams in the West that are over 500. I think there's more than that, but not by much. Well, now there's okay. Now there's a couple teams yeah, that no, won the last couple of days. So yeah, there's they're, now they're, they're, a whopping seven. seven. Right, and but you, you're talking about two that are a game over 500, um, two games over, three games over. It's yeah, it's not a bunch of as uh, as Spencer did what he said about the Washington Wizards after the Mavs lost to them. Not like there's a bunch of stalwarts over there. Right, yeah, yeah. like Phoenix and the Clippers have each won a couple games recently, so they pushed it back up. But the bottom line is the West is no murderer's row. It's not what it's been over the past couple decades. So yeah, like look, the Lakers are two losses out of fifth place right now and they're three losses out of fourth place it doesn't shock me that they look at this and say we got ad back you had 21 last night we, you know i i agree with you mcmahon like Rui's a fine swing for them whatever but like if you got russell westbrook on the team and you're not going to have cast space this summer or significant cast space it doesn't make sense to have him on the team in two weeks they should turn him into they should at minimum do with the reverse of what they did if they can with the Washington trade to try to turn him into more players they can have on their roster. Which is, uh, which is what, unless it which is what Turner, which is what Turner and Heald would be. But my question is Palinka is multiple times on the record saying only if it makes us a championship contender. And I'm not sure Heald and, and Turner do no, that. No, they don't. They don't. And well, there's, there's like, no move that there's no moves that make them a championship contender that realistically are on the board. But if the only move they make is to tur- is to tur- like, let's say this is the one move they make. Let's say they traded for Rui and that's the only move they make. I think that's worse than doing nothing because it makes it why I don't disagree with your point, McMahon, that they have no depth. And if they had a third high price player, they would have three high price players and no depth. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to have either the same roster they have by just re-signing the guys they have that aren't very good because they haven't been very good this year or they're going to maybe add one mid price player to go with Rui Hachimura. And that's just not, going to move the needle either whereas if they've done nothing at least they had the option to add a significant let me add one more thing if like all of a sudden Kyrie Irving wants to be a Laker and the Lakers decide they want to sign him they could just renounce Rui Hachimura 
and say goodbye, and they would have just rented him for three second round picks. I, I right, which would all, which would also be a very bad decision for a team that has few assets. That's what I mean. Like it, if this so, is the only I, move they yeah. make. It doesn't make sense. Well, I'm just saying. Like again, is there a plan? I mean, that's is there a plan? That's given it's the Lakers. It's a very fair question. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Look, so, to your point, if they do, if they do add some pieces, the West is wide open. Like they could get up into the top six or seven, potentially. Fady stays healthy, you know, could be a better yeah, season. It could be a much better season than I certainly thought it was going to be. Because that's the one way to look at it. That's, that's one way to look at it. But let's just say that this is their team. And do you like them in a playoff series against the Clippers? The Clippers have beaten them 10 times in a row. No, I do no. not. You like them in a playoff series against the Warriors? No. Do you like them in a playoff series against the Grizzlies? No. Do you like them in a playoff series against the Suns? No. Well, you like them in a playoff mm, series? Mm, maybe the Suns. Maybe the Suns. Do you like I'm them in a playoff not, series against? Great. Do you like them in a playoff series against the Mavericks? <laughs> I like uh, anybody in a playoff series. Yeah, against the Mavericks I mean, the I, that, the Dallas maybe. Okay, the, so I mean, the, like, the, the Mavs got some fixing to do themselves for sure. But and you didn't mention the Nuggets. The answer is hell no. Oh, I didn't mention the Nuggets. Yeah, that could be who they play because too. you hate Jokic. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying they're gonna. <laughs> I don't think they're. A top the I don't West. think that, if this is their team, I don't think they're winning. I, to be clear, I don't think they're winning a two playoff series or th- or one playoff series even. But I think they can make the playoffs. Which yeah, which would be I great with this roster. Honestly, it would be a good season. All right. Speaking of the Grizzlies, they lost in Golden State last night in a strange game. Everyone was talking about Steph getting ejected with a minute to play. Steph had a great game. Um, Steph has been ejected before for throwing his mouth. Sure. He sure has. But not because of a teammate's terrible shot selection. (laughs) That was wild. (laughs) That was wild. Uh, How about Jordan uh, Poole going from taking a shot so terrible that Steph got ejected for it? to cutting back door to get the game winning layup. By the way, did you see how he celebrated with Steph after the game? Yeah, through his mouthpiece. So for fans <laughs> that didn't see, there's a the at Chase Center there's like a big long hallway going back to Golden State's locker room and Steph was waiting for the team to come in. Jordan Poole starts walking towards him and takes his mouthpiece out and whips it against the wall uh between them. And they started laughing, which I thought so, was pretty funny. Uh when Jordan Poole's doing the walk-off interview with Roz do you think he really didn't know that Steph got tossed because of his shot selection or because of his reaction to Jordan Poole's shot selection? Or do you think he was just trying to <laughs> pretend to be oblivious? Yeah. Uh, so was... the post game interview, he, he did with Roz gold on Wood day. He, he's, it made it sound like he didn't know why he didn't know why Steph had thrown his mouthpiece. I mean, he might not have at the time. I, I didn't find out about this, any of this till later. I was actually leaving the game with Fredell last night and I got the alert that, Oh, Jordan Poole hits a game winning layup and the, the mm-hmm. Warriors win. And I was like, Oh, okay. I watched that play. I was like, all right, it's interesting. And then I, I woke up this morning and I started catching up. I was like, Holy cow. This is a wild, uh, wild. Sequence also like the, the, the ref, come on, man. Like, dude, 
Don't no, toss the bag, I, bear. I'm, I can't. I'm not doing that. Like, it, it's a very clear rule. You can't. You can't whip your mouthpiece. Like, you can't. You just can't do There's that. There's been a number of guys thrown out this year automatically because they yeah, it's not. I'm not trying to. I don't want Steph to get thrown out of the game with a minute to go either. But like, just don't spike your mouthpiece into the crowd or into the stands or whatever. Like, you can't do that. Well, and that of course, the ball. that of course happened in Game Six of the. The game was already sure decided. It happened in game six of the 2016 final stuff. Sure. Did. Having a miserable game. Well, I think he might've already been, he might've been about to foul out, um, but he threw his mouthpiece and he got ejected. So, um, but yeah, Jordan Poole took a, took a, like a 28 footer with 12 seconds up in the shot clock with Steph standing five feet to his left asking for the ball clapping yeah. clapping yes. for the ball yes, not just asking, asking, demanding clapping. the ball yes <laughs> in a night when he was having a good night which by the way um i don't know if it would have mattered but one of the things that happened in this game so steven adams is out for a month mm-hmm. with an injury um and jaron jackson jr who i would hope knowing that steven adams is out for a month would maybe get him to try to reduce his fouls because it's Grizzlies don't have many weaknesses. They got a lot going for them, but, and Jaron Jackson's leading the league in blocks, but he is leading the league in fouls. He just fouls and And his minutes are only in the mid twenties. And those two things are directly related. Well, I, yes and no. I I think, I, I think his fouling is a huge problem. Chris Harrington our guy from the Daily mm-hmm. Memphian, he did a big thing. I was reading about it this morning. He did a big breakdown of Jaron's minutes and fouls and um, his contention, which I, I tend to agree with, is Memphis is very conservative with minutes. They play a heavy rotation. They play a bunch of guys. I'm not sure Jaron Jackson will be playing more minutes right now, whether he was averaging three fouls a game or five fouls a game. I think he'd probably still be in the play more last night. Well, my point, I, what I'm saying is, I think this is a problem down the road. Like, I don't know if he's necessarily playing more minutes than the 28 he played last night, or maybe maybe he gets to 30 last night. I don't know if he's played in 30 in a game yet this year, but they're going to need him <laughs> when it serious? matters. I, no. I don't think so. No. He's not, he hasn't played a ton of minutes. Um, I think he's, but, the, but they, I think that's they're going to cap. <laughs> might be. I know his minutes are I know his minutes are are sitting in the mid to high 20s, but they're going to need him to play in the mid to high 30s in the playoffs. And he's got to be better with his fouls. Then that, so that's just, the only pushback I was having. Look, it, it was an it was an out of bounds play. And Dante DiVincenzo threw a great pass back to a, like a back cut. Rough, it may play not have from, mattered. Uh, rough play from Zaire Williams there. Zaire Williams rough, was rough. He game. fell asleep. He didn't. He's you know, Jackson's played over 30 minutes five times this year. Okay. Yeah. Bond Tim's Zaire Williams. I'm sure was more worried about Jordan 34 Clarkson times, playing. 33 minute once. So anyway, Zaire Williams fell asleep on a back. Cut. It happens. I'm not sure that if David Adams or Jaron Jackson were in the game, that it would have mattered because it was sort of direct play, but not having a basket. What about defender. if Danny green's in the game? Okay. Well, well not having a basket, def- not having a basket defender is an issue for Memphis right now. They've lost four in a row. They're on a five-game West Coast trip. John missed one of the games with an ankle injury. Post-game, not surprising. The Grizzlies are maybe the most confident team in the league, except outside the Warriors, but they certainly talk like they're the most confident team in the league. And so, of course, they're like, they shrug their shoulders and say, ah, no big deal. Um, But it is worth pointing out that this team that's been, you know, who they the only team they were worried about in the West was who'd they say? Nobody. Yeah. The only team they're they worried said, about in the league is Boston. Oh, Boston. They're fine in the West. They're, remember, they're just yeah. fine in the West. Right. That's that right. was it. I knew there was one team that they said uh he said they were just fine with, or they were not just fine with. I was gonna say, if they're gonna be fine in the West, they better get the number one seed because they're 20 and three at home, best home record in the league. They're three games under 500 on the road. So home court advantage matters. And to get home court advantage. They might have to mix in the occasional road win, which they've yet to do with one game remaining on a five-game road trip. Well, and by the way, the other thing that's interesting, too, you mentioned Steven Adams being out. I really like Brandon Clark in the starting lineup for them. Um, I think this could be their go-to lineup in the playoffs when things really matter. Um, They could switch a lot more with that lineup. You have Jaron then playing the five. 
There's probably going to be matchups for Steven Adams while he's a great offensive rebounder and can, you know, is become a better rim protector. It's going to have some issues on the perimeter garden people. I will be curious. Is it, I think this could be a good stretch for them to kind of run this lineup out there and see how it goes. It was really effective in this game. But yeah, like, you know, Memphis, Memphis loves to talk and they're fun. But if you're going to talk, you got to win some games. And this has been a bit of a rough patch. And it's also allowed Mem- uh, Denver to start mm-hmm. to really get some distance. And, it, you know, it's starting to look like they're, you know, barring something crazy, they're going to be the one seat. Yeah, Denver uh, has given Jokic a couple of games off recently with a couple of nagging little injuries. Right now he's dealing with a little hamstring. He sat um, Wednesday night in Milwaukee. They kind of spiked that one. It was the second night of a back-to-back. They spiked that one. Um, but they had just one nine in a row or something like that. No, no, it was there's been a lot of load. There's been a lot of load <laughs> management talk, and understandably so. But it, if we're having New Orleans, Milwaukee back to backs for teams, like I mean, yeah. this is come the on. league has the league can't be doing stuff like that. I mean, come on, that's that's just yeah, gonna well, be an automatic I mean, sit for not teams. only that, but not only is it a, a three hour flight, but it's a three hour flight plus a losing an hour in a time change, you know, like that's a that's a big, that's a big factor. When you yes. look at when you look at back to back when you when you go east, what, no, that's what? they're both in the central time oh, they're zone. They're both in the central time zone. I'm the sorry. time zone. Then Brian can't even get his own time here. zone right. I know, and I'm, I'm in central time zone for some reason. I thought uh, anyway, I messed it up. Anyway, it was a long trip, and they said everybody and the fans in Milwaukee didn't get to see the two time MVP. They just got to watch the two time MVP. I, I I don't, I don't know if they, they were just happy to see Giannis and Chris Middleton on the court together. Finally. That's right. That, that's, that's what they're right. happy to see. That's right. But Denver has opened a little bit of breathing room between them and uh, the Grizzlies. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think the, it'll be interesting to see if the Grizzlies attempt to do anything at the deadline. They, mm-hmm. they're sort of their deadline acquisition is Danny green. Who's coming back in. Is it not? So he had the injury uh, February, in the, February 1st, yeah, it's like an eight month, an eight month turnaround, which him and Joe Ingles are both really quick to come back off of these ACLs. I talked with Danny about it uh, in December. He came to the set of NBA today and I talked to him. Yeah. You tried to trade him. I just informed him that if Memphis makes a trade, that it could be him. He already knew that. So it's not like I told him anything he didn't know. Uh, Although I think he's expecting to be there. So uh, he wants to, he wants to resign there is honestly, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he didn't just tear his uh, ACL. He also tore another ligament. So it was even a, a, uh, I don't remember which one it was, um, but it was even a more uh, significant recovery. Um, he's was very optimistic. You know, he doesn't need to play well in February. <laughs> he needs to be ready yeah. in the spring. So, but you know, they could look at him as their sort of midseason acquisition. I don't know what you're going to get there. You're certainly not going to know. I mean, they've watched him in practice. They may have a feel for him, but like Ingles didn't play well, hasn't really played well in general. He's had a few good moments. Uh, Ricky Rubio has come back after 11 months or so with the Cavs and he's played for a couple of weeks. He's still not playing very many minutes and he is not looking good, but you know that again, the Cavs need him for later. They don't need him now. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You know, Memphis is one of these teams. They have all of their assets. They have all their picks. Um, you know, they have uh, you know uh, a lot of flexibility. Well, they also have um, the Warriors twenty twenty four pick going all the way back to the Andre Iguodala. Um, that's right. Never step foot in Memphis deal. That's right. Um, so they have. They can do something. I I don't know if I don't know if there's something to do. Um, well, and that's but, the question, and and I I don't think they do something unless it is a significant needle mover. Um, you know, like I think we've talked. I know I've talked about OJ and Anobi. Like if you OJ, what about o- OG? I said you do OJ and Anobi. You can get for us protected second. <laughs> OG might D O double G. I said OG, didn't I? Anyways, OJ, but you put, yeah, it's, it, all it's, it's, all, it's all fun. It's all fun and games. It's all we're it's just perfect. having a good time. Just you having a good time. Up, if you get me up in the morning, you teach me a new vocabulary word, I might botch something. Anyways, you plug a guy like that in, I think that's something that that they'd have to look at. Of course, if if O G is on the block, <laughs> then uh the bidding will probably get pretty steep. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
I have not heard that he's on the block. I said that on the last podcast. I know people are uh, trying to get him on the block, but I don't know mm-hmm. if he is. But um, I think Memphis will be fine. I just I think it's a bigger question about whether Memphis is in position to, uh, if they're strong enough to win three playoff series. They obviously believe that they are, and they might be. But it's a question. I'll I tell you what. I'm still picking, as of now, the team that beat them last night to win three playoff series in the West until proven otherwise. Interesting. Assuming health, assuming their guys are all available, um, I'm picking them. By the way, the Vegas odds, they do have the Nuggets as the favorites in the West. And well, I'm looking at overall title odds, but among overall title odds, they have the Nuggets as the top team in the West, plus 800. The Warriors are second at plus 850. So, you know, they're like Vegas agrees with you. And I, but you know what? I'll say this. Um, same thing I said about the about the the Grizzlies, like home court advantage matters. <laughs> Uh, what are we looking at? Six and 18 on the road for the Warriors. Well, with the road, the road issues are certainly a problem. By the way, we got to do trivia. Oh, yes. trivia for the ones who get it done. Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. This is the other one that I teased last week from the great Stats Williams. I, uh, in conjunction with LeBron going for the all-time scoring record, there are seven players who played against both Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James. Who are they? Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's a tough one. Uh, Michael Jordan. No. Incorrect. He, re- he no. came back that last year before. This is a tough one. Jeez, we at least got to get a few here, Wendy. We, we're not going to get them all. We've got to get a few. I'm hoping I'll give you guys some hints as we go along. I'm hoping I'm seeing if you can get one or two first. <sighs> Let me just. Oh, boy. This is some of these are a couple of these. A couple of these are easy. A lot of them are hard. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller is one of the easy ones. Okay. Reggie Miller. Trying to think of old farts in that old yeah, he, uh, in the, in the early think well, you got young, time. You gotta think about you gotta, young guys in the late eighties, what you guys who about. started in the eighties and retired in the early two thousands. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some assistance here and I'm gonna go scroll through like the eighty eight NBA draft. Maybe that's a decent way to try to cheat here. Well, I'll, I'll is, give you some. This is not you guys have you guys have. Well, I'll, I'll give you some hints. So one one of these guys, uh, two of these guys are former head coaches in the NBA. Byron Scott, not Byron Scott. He was coaching in the early 2000s. He was I know, far but he played with Kobe. Career. He played with Kobe that I, I was trying to remember. Yeah, We're not talking about Kobe, boss. I know, <laughs> but he didn't say you were you. I'm just saying he's uh, coaching the finals then. That's right. He was. <laughs> You're right. Uh, One of them is a co-worker of ours who is a former head coach. Bobby Marks. Bobby Marks. Was Bobby Marks. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm making a joke. I'm making a, a, a co-worker of you ours. Could actually. I'm not good at trivia. I'm just. 
Oh, this is a this is a rough stretch. By the way, Steve Kerr just missed playing against LeBron. There, are, I will tell you. So I was going through this trying to trying to guess these answers when stats gave me the question. I probably guessed twenty guys that either missed by like a couple games. There are also several guys who played in LeBron's rookie year but didn't play in a game against him. One of those is Carl mm-hmm. Malone, was in the league, didn't play against I, the Cavs. I so remember he didn't that. Count. Yeah. So there's a few guys like that. So Mark Jackson is the guy I was referring to before. Uh, what about what about what year did Gary Payton come in? Guy looked up Gary Payton. He he came in the year after. So he just missed. Know. Um Alonzo another, he is Mark a, Jackson he, would he not consider himself too. a colleague of ours. Um <laughs> sure he would. Sure he would. Of course he is. Of course he is. Uh Another one is a guy who coached in uh, your town, McMahon. Avery. Avery Johnson. Uh, he snuck in. One Avery, of them who uh, indirectly was responsible for my original banning from uh, by Mark. That's Cuban. right. One of them is uh, is the uh, close relative of a guy we talked about, or a close family friend of a guy we talked about earlier on the pod. I mean that's a ridiculous. Rod Strickland. Hint. Rod, I thought it would. I thought I would <laughs> How get about that. that? How Strickland? about that? Come on, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see who else. Another one is a uh, guy won three championships with the Bulls, then went on to win, I believe, at least one other one. Played in the finals with the Magic. Uh, Horace Grant. Nef- Horace Grant. Uh, another one is the guy I think played played that long. That's impressive. Another one is a guy I think who played longer than any player in the, one of the longest playing players in the league was with the Hawks for a long time. Kevin Willis looks like Kevin Willis. I wouldn't have thought that Kevin Willis played with former Maverick, Kevin Willis. He played for the Mavericks when he was like my age, bro. Kevin, Kevin Willis played forever. Kevin Willis's last year in the league was 2006, seven. Was that with the Mavericks? Uh, Jim What's Jackson. That? Yeah, with the Mavericks. That's right. Yeah. No, Jim Jackson is Jim Jackson is is not an answer. The only the, the other guy left. I don't even know what guest to give you to get this one. I would have never got it. it was Olden Polonese was the other guy who played. All right. Give, give, give me the list cleanly now since we've made a mess. of this. Rod Strickland, Reggie Miller, Olden Polonese, Mark Jackson, Kevin Willis, Horace Grant and Avery Johnson. That's the seven guys Man. played against Kareem and LeBron. Good one. That was a good one from stats. That was a good one. Uh, not, all right. Not, on that not, note, not our finest performance there, Wendy. Uh, that was a, that's a, that was a, I stink. I that stink. was a hall of fame. I mean, Brian's not even attempting, but that's a, that's a hall of fame. I got one. I got one. Who'd you get? Horace Grant. Mm. Uh, McMahon is <laughs> the only one who got one. You got <laughs> Reggie. Reggie. The rest of them. Had to be if I had thought for a 10 minutes, I could have gotten Reggie. Uh, all right, get to your flight, gentlemen. Uh, safe travels. Thank you for listening to Collective Podcast. We will talk to you next week. Take care. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.